welcome. Okay. <laughs> Jesus has a penchant for sending us on odd errands. Ask the early disciples. Dispatched to a stranger's home in order to borrow a colt. This in a culture with zero tolerance for thieves. A risky business at the very least, especially for followers who didn't comprehend the why of it all. The Lord had a purpose, of course. He always does. But how often are we let in on the secret? Every day the Lord calls us to tasks that seem to have no rhyme or reason, errands that appear to be questionable at best. Go into the world and love your enemies. Put the needs of others before your own. Bless those who despitefully use you. Forgive the unforgivable. Give yourself away. Strange errands indeed. And what do we say? Is there a yes resting on the tips of our tongues? Just as at Bethpage and Bethany, the Lord understands the why of his call. And in the end, that's all we really need to know. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, What are you doing? Just say this, The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying that colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our ancestors David. Hosanna in the highest. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The word of the Lord. And our realities, it's not always the stuff of our dreams come true. Life has a way of not always being what's touted in the brochure. Yesterday at, General, at the Pacific Conference meeting, it's on, it's no light, sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh, the battery, that might be helpful, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday at Pacific Conference, our national director, Alan Robinson, alluded to a brochure uh, describing the work of the Brethren in Christ Church in the U.S., kind of an annual report. Um, and, and then he mentioned that there's a lot of information in here and, and, and a lot of it's wrong <laughs> because reports came in after the due date and so it's been updated. But 
that the brochure itself contains wrong information. Well, that happens in life, doesn't it? The, the, the brochure that we thought would tell us about how wonderful life is going to be turns out to be wrong. It's like those hotel brochures that we get sometimes, and we think, wow, that's a really cool swimming pool. <laughs> Only it isn't. <laughs> you know, we, we look at that first paycheck, and we find ourselves stunned at the amount of withholdings. <laughs> or we realize that uh, all the loans we've taken out for grad school, they don't guarantee us a good job. Or we realize we realize that our spouse really does have personal habits that make us cringe. <laughs> Debbie will meet any of you for coffee after worship to discuss mine. <laughs> we thought we could get rid of those personal habits when we married that girl or that guy, but no, didn't work out that way. We realize that to live, to live is to be in the presence of irony. For the gospel story, the great arc of God's redemptive work, Palm Sunday's a turning point. It's full of symbol. It's rich in possibility. But at the end of the day, the triumphal entry really isn't. Mark's rendition of the episode that Brian so ably read to us is in particular full of irony. Jesus is supposed to be crowned as king and he's supposed to lead the revolution. But it doesn't go that way. Mark's telling of the story is nothing like the Sunday school pageants we grew up with. Generally, the Palm Sunday account includes the text from Zechariah 9 about riding into Jerusalem, a king, and Psalm 118, a coronation psalm that reminds us that Jesus is a king, Palm fronds get waved by the kitties. Hosannas are chanted. Jesus rides in on a donkey, sometimes in big churches on a real donkey. He gets into a debate with the Pharisees. He weeps over Jerusalem about what they've become and about the week that lies ahead. Except not so much in Mark's account. There is no direct reference to Zechariah 9 in Mark's retelling of this story. The words we infer as palm fronds actually refer to leafy twigs, sticks, and stones. The animal Jesus rides on is not a donkey in Mark's rendition. The chant of Hosanna is as much a part of the public procession for Passover into the city, as it is the chant of a coronation of a new king. And it may not even have been fully aimed at Jesus. The Pharisees don't show up in Mark's account for a debate. Jesus doesn't weep in foreshadowing of the pain to come. And when he finally gets to the temple, you know, the, 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 the climax, the moment of truth, Everybody else has gone home. The place is empty. He's gotten off the five o'clock tour bus and the place is closing down. 
Mark's account is not the drama of a planned coup d'etat against the Roman Empire and the corrupt Jerusalem priesthood. It's a comedy of errors. It's a day of irony. The ironic entry, not the triumphal entry. But to say Jesus' ride into Jerusalem was ironic is not to say it was meaningless. Jesus does in this passage what he does throughout Mark's gospel. He invites us to come to terms with him. Who is this Jesus? Is he a victorious king coming to Jerusalem to be crowned? Or is he about to die? His instructions about appropriating a colt for the ride into Jerusalem are replete with kingly imaginations. But it's not clear from the text that the crowds really imagined Jesus as their personal salvation. He arrives at an empty temple, just another tourist who is late for the tour group. But Mark's use of a key word here, he he looked around. The Greek word there doesn't mean he took in the sights and had a good time or he snapped a few shots with his phone. It means, the Greek word there means to see into the heart of the matter. Jesus found the temple square empty and he observed, looked into the heart of the matter. He, he to use an overused word at Madison Street, he discerned. He paid attention to what was going on. Jesus is discerning the challenges that are fast approaching. For Mark, the entry into Jerusalem is a story not of triumph, but of failure. The failure of Israel and her leaders to worship and serve God and her failure to receive God's Messiah. The ironic entry is ironic for one more reason. This story provides you and me with the opportunity to come to terms with the ironies of our lives. It hasn't all worked out according to plan, has it? Our dreams, our hopes, even our means of conveyance have always gone, haven't always gone the way it was supposed to be. Life hasn't always gone according to plan. And yet, here we are on Sunday morning. Tomorrow we'll get up and face Monday morning. Life goes on. And yet the plan that we were so excited about a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, that isn't the plan that's going on today. No matter how much we've achieved in life, there is disappointment and there is unfulfilled promise. There is always an ironic entry in our story too. But here's the good news. The Palm Sunday account reminds us that God is calling us in the midst of the ironic, 
there is a special place in the midst of unfulfilled hope or misappropriated moments that God can speak into our lives and remind us that our lives are not a series of conquests or victories or wish fulfillment. God enters into our irony and reminds us that he's in charge, not us, and that that's a good thing. And what we need in life is not necessarily another triumph, but rather the ability to see into the heart of the matter and to live faithfully with that vision. That's why we engage in ancient Christian practices, these rituals of church life. That's why we do it on a regular basis. We come to the table of the Lord to commune with him, to give thanks, Eucharist, to give thanks, and to acknowledge that we require regular sustenance from God. We require that sustenance for the journey that we're on, for the journey that we're on, on the borrowed cult of time that we ride. We also, perhaps less often, engage in another ritual, we offer one another the oil of anointing, a ritual designed to symbolize and facilitate healing, healing of our bodies, healing of our souls, healing of our minds. Now the oil, it does not heal by itself. Would that olive oil did. Neither does the bread and the juice sustain us in and of itself. These are symbols, not magic. They offer us a memory. They offer us a narrative. They give us a story. A story that tells us that our God is a God who can and does and will cut through all of our irony and heal us. That our God is a God who can and does and will sustain our lives on the irony-filled journey of bumps and bruises. The Eucharist and the anointing is a way for us to say that we are ready through God's grace to see into the heart of the matter of our lives to see our broken lives and to see our empty hearts, to be healed and to be nourished again and again and again. Because if God's grace came to us in the bread and the cup in sufficient quantity, we'd only need to come once. But like the manna in the wilderness, we come again and again to the Lord's table. We come again and again with just enough sustenance to make it through the next phase of the journey. God is calling. God is calling through the ironic entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and through the bread and juice and oil of this morning. God is calling each of us to see into the heart of our lives and begin anew the reclamation process of redemption. May we be willing, may we be willing to look into the heart of the matter 
of our lives and find the wisdom of God at work in the irony of the everyday. Thank <laughs> you.